Hello, hello, and welcome to CBET's podcast. Today, it's our seventh podcast, which is incredible. And we are just starting a new series. This series is titled The Gospel of the Kingdom. But today's conversation is primarily going to be focused on what is the gospel? That's an important question. It is. So we're going to tease out a little bit, bring you on this journey of conversation. The gospel of the kingdom. That's right. So what do you think the gospel is? Well... In thinking about it and mulling it over, I think the gospel can be broken down into three main parts. All right. So in my mind, I look at the gospel and think it started at creation. Okay. The time when God and the Spirit and the Son had this conversation and were like, we want to pour out our love on somebody. Let's create man in our image and have a relationship. So in my mind, the gospel started then. We're going to have man. We're going to have a relationship. This is the start of the gospel. So God created Eden, put man in the garden, and was like, perfect. We can fellowship together in the cool of the day. We can be one. We can let love abide between us both. Yay. And then obviously we all know that Satan came and deceived man. Okay. Hence the fall. And so the storyline unfolds. Are we still in part one or now? This is still part of part one. Okay. This is one subsection. Roman numeral one. (laughs) This is just part of it. Um, And so obviously we know that that leads to devastating effects. But part two is when Jesus came as a man. Shows up on the scene. He's like, hello, look at me. I'm a rock star, son of man. Exactly. He's got this long, cool hair, this beard, very hipsterish. Probably pretty chiseled. I mean, he was a stonemason, likely. Carpenter in Nazareth, you know. Very jacked. Um, But (laughs) we all know he went and he offered himself up as a sacrifice on the cross. And at that point, that part of the gospel, he was like, there is liberty for all. Good tidings for the poor. Those who are in prison can be set free from this message of redemption and forgiveness, which we all know, salvation into the kingdom of God. But it doesn't end right there. There's a third part. The culmination of the gospel, in my mind, ends when Jesus starts the end times, the day of the Lord, when he comes back and he throws Satan into the lake of fire forever. So there's this culmination of sin Badness, everything is gone from the face of the earth, and man and God can commune together fully forever on earth. So that's part three. That's part three. That's a combination. Great. And I quite like that because, as you can all hear, I have a cold right now, but. There will be no colds. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm longing for that day. That's right. That's right. Awesome. So I think that's how I would quickly summarize. Well, the gospel is. Yeah, that's good. You know, and there's different interpretations and different approaches to what the gospel is, right? Mm-hmm. Some people might even say that Jesus is Lord. That's the gospel, right? right. And, of course, we've heard different uh, different opinions, and, and they exist out there, different approaches to what the gospel means. And what I have found in the differentiation of these things, it's mm-hmm. actually, we agree on a lot of it. It's just we're we're fighting over semantics of what, the word gospel itself means like right. you would have somebody who agrees with what, everything you said, but don't call it gospel. Yeah. Like that was creation. That wasn't gospel. Gospel is when Jesus showed up. Yeah. Or they'll say, oh, you're talking about the culmination. That's not the gospel. That's that's our hope. But it's not the gospel. God, the gospel is when Jesus died on the cross. You know, the Roman road, we repent, acknowledge our sin because we're sinful. Da, da, da. Well, I'll yeah. explain it more in detail in a second. But the point is. We still agree, though, on the different 
points of what is happening in human history. We just don't call the gospel that, right? Right. They narrow it down to that short window of time. And and they have reasons to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of want to get into the nitty gritty. Let's do it. Of what the meaning of the gospel is. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me introduce this part of it. We know that most scholars, actually, and most Bible teachers, they deal with gospel in a four... You, you had a three thing. I did have a three thing. And they have a four part Ooh, thing. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. And it starts this way. God. God is good. The creator of the universe, similar to you, kind of. Kind of. God, the almighty, he is the blameless one who initiated this idea we should exist, right? So there's a God. That's point one. God. That we're accountable to because okay. he's God. That's point one. Point two is, oh man, literally man sinned <laughs> like for real it's yeah. it's the it's the realization of sinful man you've got holy god sinful man holy god to whom we're accountable to sinful man who now is in trouble basically right. mm -hmm. then part three is voila you know i kind of want to hear this music <laughs> jesus shows up on the scene he overcame through a holy life not just not just a death uh, a glorious, you know, kind of victorious death, but yes. he lived a holy life. Perfectly which, blameless. That's right, which allowed him to die and to be raised from the dead on the third day, therefore defeating sin, mm -hmm. which makes him able, qualified, the victor, to be able to um, pay for our sins. Yeah. Right, so that's part three. But part four is we have to respond to it. We can't just mm -hmm. get it. Like, it's not just he did it, therefore it, it counts for all of us. Right. You actually have to have it into your heart, welcome it in, and then live it out. Right. So you have to you have to repent, mm -hmm. right, and and turn from your wicked ways, etc., and so on. So that's the four part that's typically oh. defined as this is gospel. Okay. So then, where would or would even the end times and the culmination of all things even come into their picture of the gospel, or well, they say that's an add-on? Well, th that's that's uh, an interesting question. Let me just start with saying that they would say, this is the gospel. Mm -hmm. you, you can't add to it. You shouldn't take away from it. Stop trying to get all fancy and undermine the cross. Yeah. You know, the cross is central. That's the defense by many of our brothers who are very, very uh, skilled and articulate in the scriptures. And so I want to make sure we lay that clear because that's, right. that is the common. When you get to the Bible teaching, the common view is this four part expression and they have reasons why they keep it so narrow right well i did a little bit of research <laughs> as you do <laughs> <laughs> because you know I'm, I'm serious it's like wait a minute but the hope of our glory doesn't end in us having this proverbial peace with god while right. we're decaying dying diseased kids are suffering all sorts of evil like there has to be an answer to that as well like you right. can't just say and you're forgiven like you're still going to die, but then what? Yeah, yeah. It, it's ends. just, it's not enough of a defense. If you've been mm -hmm. a believer a long time, it might be enough for you. Like, for real. Because it's like you're already a loyalist, and you feel bad asking hard questions. Okay. But unless you're crazy like me, and it's like, <laughs> hey, I'm confident in love. I know he yeah. loves me, so I have some crazy questions. Yeah. And I did. I entered into that season of asking questions. And what I found is that the hope of Christ's return, or as Titus calls it, our blessed hope, um, is central to the good news yeah. of why, why Christ came and did what he did and so forth and so on. Right. Because I think, obviously, I'm not super learned. I'm not a scholar yet. Maybe one day. You're a singing 
you're you're a singing theologian though. Thanks. I, uh, get I mean, if you, no, that's, thank you. That's real. That's true. Um, I would think my question comes. The question that comes to my mind is when you say it is primarily about the cross, and obviously a ton of it is. My question would be then, why are you saved if it's just for now? You that's, know what I That's mean? a great question. So for that, let's turn to history. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't know. You you grew up in England, I so I, I don't know if this will apply to you. But I went through public school here, grade school. And in high school, we went studying literary works like the Epic of Gilgamesh or Shakespeare, Hamlet. You know, we would even study things like To Kill a Mockingbird. It's a book, a novel. Okay. And um, The Scarlet Letter. There's different like classics that everyone has to read. Well, among those things and literature, we actually had to memorize a speech. Many of us, maybe you didn't have to, but we had to memorize Mark Antony's speech in the famous play, Julius Caesar, that Shakespeare wrote, yeah, right? Yeah. It starts with, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. <laughs> Do you like my so British accent? Anyway, <laughs> but it's a very, very famous line. And so what we typically do when we think about this time in history, we think it's fiction because we, in the literary works of things, you know, it's like, oh, it's, it's, non, it's fiction stuff, like a cool play, a cool idea. But actually, history has proven <laughs> Shakespeare was just, giving his take or his mm -hmm. approach to a very real figure. Julius right. Caesar was a great emperor that ruled the Roman world at some point. And this is very important to the meaning of the gospel. So okay. bear with me for a second. Okay. <laughs> I'm not just, just <laughs> lend me your ears. Yeah. yeah. So he, here's, here's, a, here's the main point. So there's obviously Julius Caesar was the emperor. And then there was Octavian who inherited after all this civil war and all this stuff. But uh, Augustus is the name he gave himself, who was the emperor when Jesus was born, right. okay? And then, of course, who followed him was Tiberius. And anyway, the point is that there was these two emperors, you know, and, they, and what was going on in Rome is that Rome had created a common language. They had created a transportation mechanism, a system, like a lot of roads, whatever, that earned the title that Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5, right? It talks about in the fullness of time. This mm -hmm. is what Paul says that Jesus came in the fullness of time was it was an, a moment in history where the gospel could be disseminated in powerful ways. We're not going to get into that right okay. now. But the main point is to say, and you know, is that this is the context in which Jesus is born. Well, what people don't really understand or know is something that I found out from my, my pal, N.T. Wright. He's a crazy <laughs> cool scholar. But I, I kind of want to, you know... Um, read a little bit from this book. It's, it's a cool book. He writes about Paul. I want to recommend it to you all. It's kind of heady, but I enjoyed it. But he wrote, he wrote something um, on, on, on this very issue, right? Because this, this historical context, you know, it, it was in this historical framework, it says here, uh, that the ideology of empire rested on, right? So there was this, um, how should I say this? This tra transference of these ideas, mm -hmm. right? They come from this Roman Empire. And actually, I think I summarized it here. So let me, let me, let me read this to you. It's, this is really fascinating. This comes from N.T. Wright's book on Paul in Fresh Perspective. It was, you know, 2009 Fortress Publishing. Anyway, so he, let me read this to you. The Republic had long prided itself on justice, okay? Rome possessed justice and had an obligation to share it with the rest of the world. Now, that, that's interesting because in America, there's this historical document called the Manifest Destiny uh -huh. where we're like, 
it's our destiny to teach the world how to be a democracy or something weird like that. Even though it's like the youngest country in the world. And even though it started with really intense brutality, but mm. we won't get into that. Let's go back to the Romans. Yeah, okay. So Augustus was hailed. Okay, this is the Caesar that, you know, that was, uh, sorry, the emperor that was in charge um, when, uh, when uh, Jesus was born. So Augustus was held, check this out, following the civil war as the bringer of peace or wow. savior was his title. Okay, uh, in gratitude for rescuing Rome from civil strife and external enemies. Now, now, stay with me. I know this sounds kind of heady, but it's I'm getting to the gospel here. So, freedom, justice, peace, and salvation were the imperial themes. Okay, wow. That you could expect to meet in the mass media of the ancient world. That is on statues, on coins, in poetry, and song and speeches. That's so interesting. I know. So, so let me let me finish this Not last good. sentence. So the <laughs> announcement, okay, of these very themes: freedom, justice, peace, salvation. Okay, the announcement focused, of course, on the person of the emperor who accomplished and guaranteed them. Right. So mm. this could be spoken of as euangelion. That's the Greek word for good news or gospel. That's so crazy. Because it sounds, all the words that they're using to describe Augustus and his um, rule, his kingdom, as it were, sounds very biblical. Yeah. Exactly how we would describe Jesus and his rule. Well, and that's my, my main point of what I've discovered through studying these different um, resources is I realize what, what Paul was doing, what, what, the, what the New Testament writers were doing was they were borrowing language from their existing context. Wow. So it's not like they're borrowing language from these guys. It's more like these guys no, are borrowing language from them. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, oh, you, you're the Lord of Lords. Let me tell you the real Lord of Lords, <laughs> yeah. you know. Let me tell you the real king, you know, the real emperor of the universe. True justice. True justice. Mm. The real good news, the real gospel Wow. is about not you, but yeah. the Lord, okay, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so that was a massive, massive statement. I bet. And, and, and uh, of course, it was a... Uh, um, uh, it was a, they were borrowing language and, and basically saying no to allegiance to Rome, which I want to get into in a second. But again, let me let me just kind of recap a little bit. So euangelion, you meaning good and angelion in the Greek meaning message. It sounds like angel, right? Because right? yeah. angels are messengers anyway. So which come, of course, in the English translation, we created a word gospel from the two words God and spell. God in the old English was good spell meaning news. You know, wow. so so good news. That's that's the etymology of this thing. So yeah. aside from that, and Paul being the primary user of this term gospel in scripture, from my understanding, he had actually a twofold approach to this word. Okay, okay. like Paul. what it means. Yeah, like how he used it. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about some Old Testament stuff. And I see you're in Isaiah, so <laughs> which is good because that's where I'm going myself. So in Isaiah 40 and in Isaiah 52, Jesus actually he. He he. Uh, Paul was making a connection that Jesus would 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 himself return to judge and redeem as promised here. So let me read a couple of these passages. Isaiah forty nine and ten. It says, "Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news." Right there, it is good news. Right, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold the Lord your God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Uh, behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. That's Isaiah 40, okay? Mm -hmm. So the statement of what? God's rulership, yeah. 
rulership. Huge point here. And then Isaiah 52 uh, verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, right? Who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes, here it is, salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Again, salvation, reign. it's connected to kingdom. It's connected to a rule, right? Mm. Well, here's here's the second way that Paul uses um uh, this word gospel and, and the way that is, is a celebration of accession, right? Mm -hmm. A celebration of somebody coming into power. So I'm going to read again from, uh, from a book and this one's actually from, oh gosh, I have so many of them. So I'm trying to keep (laughs) them, but I just want to recommend them to you. Uh, it's this book on Paul and politics, um, by, uh, edited by Richard Horsley, but he talks interesting here. Well, I shouldn't say, it's actually N.T. Wright who wrote inside of this, but it's quite fascinating because look what it says. Despite the way Protestantism in particular has used this phrase gospel, making it refer as Paul never does to a supposed proclamation about justification by faith, mm-hmm. which already some people are going to be like, wow, ah, Paul meant that, right? So let me just pa- just hold on for a second. For Paul, the gospel is the announcement that the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth is now Israel's Messiah. And the world's Lord. Huh. Which talks specifically about past the crucifixion. Right. Well, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, that and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. And it, Paul is making a statement like, hey, Caesar, you're not the yeah. guy. <laughs> the world's Lord is this risen, yeah. crucified Savior. Right. So at the crux of the gospel for Paul was the cross. Right. The cross event proved that Jesus was worthy. I mean, think about Revelation 5, right? No one is found worthy to open up the scroll, but then he sees what? A lamb as though it had been slain. The elder says, do not weep for the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. The lamb, the lion, there he is, the crucified wounded one. And and so the cross is at the epicenter of the gospel. It's it's really the, the climax of us being able to hope in a day that has not yet come. Right. And uh, because he has proven that he's worthy. So this is really fascinating. Okay, so Yahweh and Yahweh alone is the true God, according to Paul, the only creator, the only sovereign of the world. This is massive, you know, Uh, and that the gods of the nations are contemptible idols uh, whose devotees are deceived at best, wasting their time and at worst under the sway of demons. Wow. <laughs> that was NT right, right there. <laughs> I mean, just, uh, you know, the way he, because, you know, of course, Paul talks about these things, yeah. you know, deceived, the doctrines of demons, those yeah. kinds of things. Very intense, very intense, the, the experience um, that Paul would have been having in this time in the early, in early church. He's right. making a statement as a Roman citizen. Hey, Jesus is a true emperor. Totally. It's the gospel with a capital T and a capital G <laughs> instead of the emperor's gospel, which is That's right. which is a, a word used and you can use it to describe it, but it's not the, the gospel. Yeah, well, is it's backwards. It? Okay, so so yes, that's what Paul was saying. He was taking like, you know, taking something that was already in existence. Mm-hmm. So for example, and I'm just making this up, so I'm assuming this metaphor will fall apart in a second. <laughs> But I've got a pen, right? Uh-huh. It's one of those cheap ones, you know, the cheapest ones you can buy at the store here in my hand. And I could say, hey, this is a pen. And then you could pull like this fancy 24 karat gold with diamonds all over this pen out of your purse and uh-huh. say, no, this is the pen. Uh-huh. 
-hmm. right? You're saying from something that existed before that one, because this is they've been making these since a hundred years ago, and then you bring like, no, I took that idea and I'm telling you what the real pen is, right? And and so that's what what was really happening is that Euangelion was like um, breaking news. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it would have been like us saying, no, no, no. Let me tell you the real breaking right. news. The real breaking news is that Jesus, that kind of a thing. Yeah, which is great that Paul uses this because it means it's so easy for everybody to understand because it's already an analogy placed before them. It's not as if he's coming in with a something that they've never even heard of a pen. Right, You right. know what I mean? It's right. like, so I love that he does that. Yeah, and so, so what helpful. he's doing, again, is connecting the Old Testament, which mm-hmm. precedes the Roman Empire, these, this statement of good news, mm-hmm. okay? And then he's going into the good message, euangelion of the Greek, and saying, oh, this is a great, he used yeah. it as a tool, just like he went to the tomb of the unknown God or whatever, the stat, whatever that thing was, the altar to the unknown God. And he said, hey, I know this God as a tool to preach the gospel. <laughs> there yeah. I go again using gospel. <laughs> to preach the, the, the message of Jesus Christ, right? So this is what we see in Paul's writing, basically that Jesus is Lord mm-hmm. and Caesar is not. Praise God. So we are no longer under Caesar's cult who could not survive an assault on his life. Mm. But instead, we are citizens of heaven under the rulership of Jesus, the Lord who not only defeated death, right? But instead, um, he was glorified. And, the, and now he promises not only that he would be glorified or that he is glorified, but that we would be glorified with him. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's like he's, it's a massive watershed moment that yeah. he's saying, you will be like me, you know, or we shall be like him is how yeah. Paul says it. Totally. I don't think we really know what that means. No, we don't. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty massive statement. But the point is that it was a statement of superiority and he wrote it from a prison cell. Good on you, Paul. Isn't that awesome? Love to you. <laughs> well, in fact, let me read that passage. It's Philippians 2, verse 20. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven, right? And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself, all things. I mean, Paul was being a gangster here. He's just like, (laughs) look, y'all, you think you can imprison me, but I serve a king of glory. Love it. And his hope was set at the end of what he would call the gospel, the return of Christ. Yeah. I love it. I mean, and that's, that's the, to me, that what's crazy now. So this is a lot of historical, like, whoa, that's cool, a lot of stuff. But it really does help inform the way we view things. And I kind of want to move into this now because now we've let's contextualize this, right? Because gospel is a very Christianese term. It's one of those, you know, the gospel, the gospel, let's preach the gospel, you know. And and for me, I just like, wait a minute, what does that mean? Because at the end of the day, to some, it's condemnation, right? Uh, they they take John the Baptist's message as if it's just mean, like wood, wood, hay, and stubble. No, I meant hellfire and brimstone. <laughs> you know, like this, like, rah, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, you're going to go to hell if you don't ret- repent. And, of course, we've seen different expressions to be more culturally acceptable, like, oh, you know, God loves you. Like, as you are, he'll take you as you are. All statements that have elements of truth, but few people have said the whole thing. Yeah encapsulated everything right and so i wanted to know how did the first century church where these scriptures are written understand that word and this is how right they understood that hey all the kingdoms of this world are subjected now 
to the crucified and risen Lord. Right. Isn't that crazy? No, that is crazy. Do they give some practical steps on how to share it and live it so that we don't kind of wobble in the way and well, end up loving that which we shouldn't? That's that's a great question uh, because in that time, remember, there was not like church. You didn't have like tax deductible exemptions for being a religious organization that <laughs> served <true>. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so they were they were enemies of the state, yeah. right? So Paul was saying, "Hey, you will suffer." You and Peter even said, "Like, why are you surprised?" You know, yeah, like it obviously we are going to suffer because we're declaring the the announcement right of the king of glory who says that caesar is a puny little tick on the ground that yeah. doesn't matter like that's the point and yeah. so they were enemies of the state by declaring that jesus is lord and so what the way he was calling them to live wasn't like oh just smile at people and like it's like hey be courageous, yeah. be bold, stand firm, do not fold when it gets hard, not if it gets hard. Yeah. So we have a very different experience. We do. It's as if we're very mushy and gushy because <laughs> it's not as if we face tribulation or persecution right here in the Western world day to day. Obviously, it's very different for those in China or persecuted cities where they are having to live out as Paul did. That's correct. But for us watching this podcast, it's like... Cool, I'll just keep on keeping on. Yeah, well, no, and and honestly, we have the what we struggle with is the virtue of being accepted in society. Mm. Cuz it's good to be accepted in society. Like it's not a bad thing, but not if it means that we dilute the gospel. Right. And the gospel is a statement that Jesus is king yes. over all creation, <laughs> over American patriotism, over liberal republic like yeah. it doesn't matter what your political alliances are or how you feel about the palestinians or da, da, da. the point is jesus is lord and he will do as he says mm -hmm. and and our allegiance to that is primary yes. and that is different than what we've been trained because it's a christian nation you look at canada as well like oh it yeah. was founded on christian principles or even england you know it's like the, the 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 head of the church was the queen or the king or whatever and and so there's all of this um infusion of christianity into politics yes. that we think oh this is great righteous judges righteous rulers which i'm not gonna uh comment on that but only to say that it's both been helpful for the dissemination of the gospel and our freedom of speech and freedom to gather and all that. But at the same time, it's also help, helped add to the confusion yeah, that true. our allegiance is not to a country. Yes. It's to him mm -hmm. first. And we obey God rather than men. Acts chapter five, right? We, we stand firm and we are first loyal to God. Yes. And then of course, Romans 13, we obey, uh, as those that are subject to different rulers and kings that God has placed, we we, we pay our taxes, yeah. we do all that, you know. So. Certainly do. And it says to live peaceably with all men, but it wasn't if there was a pair of brackets there saying, unless they disagree with you, therefore it's okay to compromise on this, that, and the other. It's that's like, that's exactly right. So, no, and and, and that's, the, that's the piece. Now, I kind of want to kind of, how do I say this? Uh, shift gears a little bit because... I started reading some other books on gospel, you know, like there's a couple of great books, which I recommend them both. But this one by J.D. Greer, uh, it's called Gospel, Recovering the Power That Made Christi Christianity Revolutionary. It's a great book. That's awesome. I mean, let me actually just read a statement from it. It's just, <laughs> it's just so good. 
um, uh, the goal of the gospel is to produce a type of people consumed with passion for God and love for oh. others. He was very focused on the heart. It's very good. Anyway, that's just one of my favorite pa- things. Actually, just to add to that, I think even though we're trying to figure out what gospel means, I think there is a huge amount that we are missing out on when it comes to gospel because it says, isn't it, that we would do greater works than Jesus did walking on the earth. So I think that there's so much more for us in store for us as we search out just those scriptures talking about when Jesus was on earth. Right. But doesn't mean it's just that, does it? That's exactly right. And so, okay, so this so is, jump in. that's why I really appreciate this book by Greg Gilbert. Okay. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's called, what is the gospel? Very simple read. And, and but it's a, it's a great book that, you know, he, he is not just, you know, a, a great thinker, but he's a pastor. Okay. So he's approaching this both from biblical accuracy and from how then shall we live? And so he's the one of the ones who has this, this um, uh, what, do you, what do I call it? This sequence of God, then man, then Jesus Christ came on the uh, on the scene, and then we have to respond, right? The four step yeah. process to the gospel. He's also one to defend that we shouldn't be looking at all these other ways to understand gospel, including the one I just gave. Oh, yeah. So, so he narrows it down he, a lot more. Yes, and he says that I'm really messed up. So, <laughs> and I mean, not, not directly, but my point is that he's concerned, and his concern is yeah. valid, because his major concern is that we undermine the centrality and the work of the cross. Okay. And, and I, I just got to say publicly, I agree with him. We okay. must never undermine the centrality, the importance of the cross. Paul says, I preach Christ crucified. This moment in history is is the watershed moment. It's the climactic event that guaranteed that we have a hope. Yeah, the inauguration. Yeah, as N.T. Wright would would put it, yes, inauguration of things to come. It's it's already in place. It's inaugurated, but not yet complete, right? right? And of course, he talks about this now. It's very interesting because when I read um, some of his statements, it's like he agrees, we agree. Yeah. It's just that he's paranoid by how so many are fascinated by the new facts that they do indeed uh, undermine the cross. Okay. And so I agree with that. I'm saying, no, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. But the gospel, according to what we just researched and studied here, is more than just um, just that. Right. You know? So we need to add it and combine them both instead of putting Christ and him crucified on the shelf. That's correct. And figure, like focusing on one. And it's actually similar to what um, the, uh, I think um, Matt said it with us the other week. Oh, yeah. Matt yeah. Candler. Yes. He was saying if we're not having our hearts alive in the end times, it's because we haven't studied and allowed the gospel of Christ on the earth to really dwell in the hearts properly. Yeah, the life so of that's Christ. that's probably what he's saying too. That, y- yes. Kind of. In a sense, again, he's trying to keep the definition of what the gospel means mm-hmm. uh, to a minimum. And it's, it's, again, God is creator. We're accountable to him. He's good. Man is sinful. Jesus has an answer. He came. He, he conquered through the cross and, and overcoming death through the resurrection, ascending to the Father. And now we have an opportunity to respond before the coming day mm-hmm. of the Lord. But, but again, gospel ends there to be at peace with God right now. Right. Okay. But what I'm contending for, according to the historical witness, is that, yes, the cross, yes, 100,000 times percent, but also that cross unto, he wants the whole earth. He wants his yeah. bride. And so look what he writes about it, because this is where I realize actually we agree. 
So he's talking about the kingdom, right? This is beautiful. The kingdom of God is not yet completed, and it will not be completed until King Jesus returns. Evil was defeated, but not annihilated. And the kingdom of God was inaugurated, but not brought to full and final completion. The great hope for Christians, the thing for which we long and to which we look for strength and encouragement is the day when our king will part the skies and return to establish his glorious kingdom finally and forever. What a glorious moment. That glorious moment is when everything in this world will be set right, when justice will finally be done, evil overthrown forever, and righteousness established once and for all. I mean, and he quotes Isaiah 65, promises, of course, uh, and uh, Isaiah 11 uh, of what God's going to be doing. And then he, he personalizes, he says, I used to think as a child that the Christian's destiny was to spend eternity in a never-ending disembodied church service, which, trust me, that is a scary thought. But he says, I was wrong. Uh, God intends to create for his people a new world, free of sin and death and sickness. War will end, oppression will cease, and God will dwell with his people forever. Never again will any of God's people suffer death, and never again will tears burn our eyes at a graveside. Never again will an infant live but a few days and then die. Never again will we mourn or hurt or weep. Never again will we long for home. For as Revelation tells us, God himself will wipe every tear from our eyes, and we will finally see his face. So really, what do you say in response to all of that? One thing, I think, he says, oh, Lord, come quickly. (laughs) You know, it's beautiful. It is. He paints it so beautifully. Yeah, and so So that's the statement that Mm. even so come, Lord Jesus, you know, that's the beautiful. See, here it says, until Christ returns, our social and cultural victories will always be tenuous, never permanent. Christians will never bring about the kingdom of God. Only God himself can do that. The heavenly Jerusalem comes down from heaven. It is not built from the ground up. This is what he's saying like, hey, guys, that is our hope. Jesus, we can't make things happen, which is the error of dominionism that takes verses like what you said earlier, excuse me, that greater works than these shall you do. And we take that to say, therefore, we're going to. We're going to build the kingdom so we're worthy of you, which is a bad theological approach. So that's what he's contending here. But he's connecting us here. See, our longing for his return increases. Our prayers to him grow more fervent, and our love for him deepens. In short, our desires and hopes center firmly and rightly, not so much on the kingdom as on the kingdom's king. Wow. So so my point is, is I don't know if I've... I love it. It's such beautifully written about the hope of the gospel that he is indeed going to complete what he started okay and we really do agree we do agree because obviously he made one of the most beautiful statements on the return the culmination of pieces but the way that it's defined again we're in semantics here right but i'm trying to build a case for what we read in the historical uh, uh you know um the historical witness of how they would have understood gospel. And yeah. it is about a king taking rulership of that kingdom. Yeah. And Jesus has inaugurated that through the cross, but it, he has not yet come to the earth to rule as he promises he will do yeah. from Jerusalem. So one last question. Does it matter? 
matter what we call the gospel in the sense of does it matter if it's a four point thing a three point thing just Christ's rule on the earth does it matter or is it more we're just having fun going through the semantics well i think it does matter and and the reason i think it matters is because i was robbed of the power of the gospel when somebody said hey repent and have peace with god it is so it doesn't make like it's so uh, it's weird like but I have a disease or I have, you know, like, okay. mm. like it's more than just me having a, my conscience cleared. Yeah. It's more than just a personal experience of feeling forgiven. This is about all wickedness will end. This is about all things that were done wrong to that little girl in Phnom Penh or that, that single mom in, in, in uh, Baton Rouge. Like, all these different situations of an injustice and mistreatment, right. one day the great victor, the cosmic ruler will return and he will make all things right. That's why to me it matters right. that we have a power in the gospel. And that's why Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it has power. And I believe that. I believe that, that ultimately today we are brought in to be messengers, mm-hmm. right? The Great Commission to be witnesses, right? Acts chapter two, Acts one, eight, and you will be my witnesses when you receive power, that thing. So to be witnesses of what? Of the king, of his kingdom. That's why the kingdom of God is at hand. It has now inaugurated, it has now come. The whole point is, yes, in order for you to be citizens of that kingdom, you need forgiveness, you're messed up, and I've guaranteed (laughs) a place for you. Um, But it's about his rullership on the earth. So I think that's why it matters. Yeah. Because we're not wanting it just to stay here. We're wanting it to reach the end in your heart. That's exactly right. And we, I mean, and well, we want to have the bigger perspective, right? The heavenly perspective of, of why, of, of why this would connect with us. You know, that one day the ultimate hope of our glory is not that, um, I modified my behavior for like some kind of better, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, it talks about in Ezekiel 33, the righteous man isn't saved or righteous just by his acts. Like if he is declared righteous by the Lord and then is like, well, look at my righteous acts. Yes, I can finish my life with righteousness. Come the end, he's not righteous before the Lord. But yeah. if the wicked man is told by the Lord you're wicked and he changes, then he is righteous before the oh, Lord. So, so it's like what you're saying. We can't just live just for the here and now. Yeah according to our own works we have to live according to what is coming yeah the hope of our glory exactly and to me that's what changed everything for me Mm. even in understanding the end time narrative i didn't like isaiah 63 which we'll talk about in the future it is so hard to digest that passage and you can't ignore it like the jews ignore isaiah 53 they don't want to get a messiah that suffers well we don't want a savior that comes to tread the winepress alone, therefore killing the kings of the earth. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That has to be symbolic. That's what we do. But our hermeneutic, we, we, we violate our own hermeneutic by saying that because we don't understand the greater yeah, story. Totally. And so for me, that's why I needed to understand the full meaning of the gospel. Yeah. That it is about a king who's yeah. promised to make all things new. Definitely. And I, I anyway, that that's to me... It's changed my life, actually, to see him and to yield to him and to tremble at his might. Those commands, you know, to quake, Mm. 
it's like I see that you are serious about yeah. holiness. You are serious about wanting to dwell with us. And you will use the least severe means, yeah. right, to, to reach the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating our free will. Yeah. I love that. It's beautiful. <laughs> I want that in my life. And I want my kids to grow up with that message exuding from their hearts. Yeah. So I yeah. love it. No, and I do want to say this last thing. Yeah. Because Jesus in Matthew 24, 14, he says, and when this gospel of the kingdom is you know proclaimed to every ethnic group yeah. then the end will come talking you know in, in response to the disciples questions about hey when are you going to return like you yeah. said you're going to return and i just want to alert us as we engage and initiate this conversation over the gospel of the kingdom is that it's truly the good news the announcement of a king primarily, mm -hmm. and of course also the kingdom. That's why we have the little brackets around yeah. kingdom or whatever. <laughs> because this is about the beauty of Jesus, yeah. his glorious promise, the fact that he will do exactly as he says I love that. he will do. Praise God, don't we serve a good God? Our <laughs> desire and our hope is that you would be filled with the truth of the gospel in your hearts and your lives, and that you may be able to share the full extent of the glory of God with those around you. So that's primarily why we're having this conversation. So next week we have Stuart Greaves with us. He is going to be helping us dive into the truth of what the gospel really means. So join us next week. 2 p.m. Central Time, right here in KC. And throughout the week, you can look back over our previous podcasts. You can find us on iTunes Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on the YouTube channel. Any outlet that you have for your podcast, you can find us there. That's right. So have a fabulous week, and we'll see you next week, 2 p.m. Central Time. Peace. <laughs>